I certainly feel like in the in the projects that I've the lighting design projects that I've done while I've been a student, I've felt my perspective shifting, even even early in the process of the degree. You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a conversation with graduate students about their research journeys at the University of Victoria. Welcome to Beyond the Jargon. I'm your host today, Liz MacArthur, and joining me is Alan Brody in the studio, uh, who is doing his master's in theater. Um, welcome. Thank you. Glad <laughs> to be here. Um, and you're a very busy man as well. You are not only doing your master's, but you're also working on a production right now. Right. Um, so let's start off. First of all, tell me about uh, what you're actually studying at UVic. Uh, I'm, so I'm doing my master's of fine arts mm-hmm. in directing mm-hmm. for the theater. And uh, the production that I'm working on right now is actually the major project for my degree. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the production and and the masters have finally come together into one single entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a process to get to this point where now it's you've got like one singular focus that's for both things. That's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, my first year of the program, so it's a two year program uh, ordinarily, and the first year was uh, they hit you pretty hard in the classroom as far as um, uh, critical theory and um, another round of theater history. Uh, um, I also took a, a classroom course uh, on directing, which uh, in my case uh, was with, it was actually with a bunch of uh, undergraduate directing students, hmm. um, which uh, my supervisor and I felt was a good plan because I actually came into this program never having directed a thing in my life. Hmm. So it was good to um, get a bunch of the directing theory and uh, uh, practice under my belt in, in that first year. So... Um, I also did a couple, I did some classroom projects, and then uh, I did a couple uh, one-act productions. One of them was actually with production support in the theater, and mm. another one of the one-acts was actually a, a student-written play that we did in the classroom, uh, a new a new play by a creative writing student. And, uh, and then once the first year was over, uh, partway through the first year, I had to decide what play I wanted to direct for my Let's call it my thesis. Mm-hmm. It's not officially a thesis. It's a major. It's a major project, um, but it's easier just to refer to it as that, uh, I guess. Um, and partway through the first year, I had to pick a play, so I actually submitted a, a short list of three plays that I was interest, interested in directing, mm-hmm. and uh, that goes in front of uh, a committee in the theater department, and they weigh the um, the benefits, the pros and the cons of those choices from a production standpoint, from a pedagogical standpoint, from a casting standpoint, um, the choice of play needs to serve the MFA director, but it also needs to serve the undergraduate student body of actors as well in in the program. So there's a lot of checks and balances that come into play in terms of picking the play. And that decision was made February of last year. And so then from that point on, uh, my focus, I had to finish classes and stuff last year, but my focus then shifted to preparing to direct the play. Mm. So um, a ton of reading and, and uh, research and um, writing of various papers and um, you know formulating a directorial approach and doing an analysis of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us what the play is. So the play is uh, by Tennessee Williams uh, and it's called Summer and Smoke. Uh, Summer and Smoke isn't, I would say, it's probably, it's certainly not among the, the most well-known of Williams' plays. Uh, I think if you stop someone on the street, they might be able to say um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or A Streetcar Named Desire or maybe The Glass Menagerie. 
those are sort of the three, the, the big three. Um, Summer and Smoke, you could argue, is four or five um, uh, in terms of um, the reputation of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's um, set in Mississippi in 1916. Williams wrote the play in 1948. Uh, he wrote it concurrent with um, Streetcar Named Desire. Hmm. Streetcar premiered first, uh, but within the year, Summer and Smoke premiered as well. Um, it opened initially in Texas, and then it moved to New York, where it wasn't a great success. Mm-hmm. Uh, it played about 100 performances, which on for a Broadway run is, you know, uh, eight performances a week. That's less than three months. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, if my math is right. Anyway, short run, mm-hmm. not a big hit. Um, and then it was brought back in the early 50s, uh, off-Broadway. And... The off-Broadway production of Summer and Smoke was, is largely credited as having been the birth of the off-Broadway movement, actually, oh. which is quite interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a beautiful, it's considered by most to be possibly uh, William's most lyrical play. Mm. And uh, I love it for many reasons. I love the play. Um, its lyricism is one of the reasons I love the play. Uh, it has terrific roles. Um, the, center, the main character, her name is Alma Weinmiller. And Williams himself said that um, Alma was the favorite female portrait that he'd drawn as a playwright. He said it was because Alma was so late coming out and so was I. You know, he, Williams uh, was a gay man all his life, and, mm-hmm. um, but was in the closet uh, into his late 20s. And, um, and Alma's, uh, uh, you know, a southern daughter of a, of a preacher and uh, quite... Um, as her her emotions and her desires quite tightly locked down, and uh, the play is about her wrestling with the conflict, her her inner conflict over her desire versus her upbringing and her society. Hmm. So there's wonderful there's uh, four wonderful parts for young women in the play, and that was um, that was on my radar as far as you know the demographics in the theater department right now. There's um, I would say there's more women than men, mm-hmm. and so it was important that I pick a play that fit into uh, into the department that way. Um, there are some older characters. You know, all of our actors in the play are all under th- under thirty. Most mm-hmm. of them are under twenty five, um, but we seem to be getting away very nicely with even the older characters in the play being played by um, by young actors. Mm-hmm. And you can't that's that's not possible in every play. Yeah. So what is it about this one? Or is it the, the people that you're working with or is the play sort of um, lend itself to that as well? Um, I think the play lends itself to it. You know, the the older characters in the play are not the they're not the protagonists in the play. You know, the the two main characters, uh, Alma and uh, John Buchanan, Jr., uh, they're both in their uh, in their late 20s, I would say. And so it's not such a stretch uh, for a young actor who's in their early 20s. Um, you know, thematically, I think the play really resonates with the student actors as well. Um, really, the sort of the central crisis in the play for Alma is the question of, will I be alone in f- through my life? Or will I get to spend my life with the person who I've been in love with all my life? Mm. And we can all identify with that question, you know. You don't have to have lived forever to wonder if you're going to meet somebody to spend your life with. Mm -hmm. And so that really resonates with student actors as well, I think. Hmm. Yeah. 
So that's the play, and you're yeah. working in uh, you're in rehearsals right now. And um, let's talk a little bit about before I would like to come back to that. Sure. But let's talk a bit about what brought you to Uvic, right? Because uh, you're no stranger to the theater. Uh, yeah. You said you've never directed, but you've done a lot of other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I did my undergraduate studies in theater. I have a BFA, Bachelor of Fine Arts uh, in theater from UBC, mm-hmm. and I got that degree in 1989, and uh, long before any of my cast members were born. <laughs> and um, since uh, since I did my undergrad, uh, I've been, and my intention through my undergraduate studies was to study lighting design mm. and um, to work as a lighting designer. And that's what I've done for the, the 20, you know, five plus years since then is work um, as a lighting designer. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, for me, it was, it, I felt like a calling and, uh, and, uh, but it takes a while to build a career in the theater for anybody. And lighting design is a, is a, it's quite a niche uh, field. You know, I would say in, in the country, in Canada, uh, people like myself who only do lighting design for theater, and that is plays, musicals, opera, and dance. I don't know if there's more than I'd say very generously, I'd say there's probably no more than 20 people in the country who only do that and make a make a reasonable living doing it. Mm. There's lots of people who dabble in film or also do set design or uh, stage manage or that sort of thing. Yeah. But in terms of the numbers of us, it's 20 is probably too generous. It's probably 15. That is a low number. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, and so that's that's what I've been doing. And uh, I've I've worked my way, uh, you know, back and forth across Canada for years, working uh, mostly in I you know over the last fifteen years I would say predominantly for the large regional theaters, um, smaller regional theaters, and then the, some of the regional opera companies, um, you know, uh, as some of the big summer festivals as well. And I've had the good fortune to have some opportunities uh, south of the border as well, and. Um, and abroad as well. And um, most of those jobs have been, the, the jobs away from Canada have been a result of having uh, long-standing relationships with directors who have been hired to do a job in San Francisco or what have you, and, or Seattle or something like that. And, and they say, I'd really like my collaborator, Alan, to come down and, and do the show with me. Um, the, the relationship between a director or choreographer and, and a designer is... Um, is a very unique relationship. And when you reach a point where uh, you understand each other's aesthetic and there's a great deal of trust that's been built up over the years, um, that's worth a lot. Mm. It's worth a lot to a producer and it's worth a lot to the choreographer. The producer knows that, um, you know, this collaborating team isn't going to lay an egg on this new production. You know, they have a track record. Um, The there's comfort for the designer, sorry, for the director who knows that the aesthetic of the designer is a match to them. They understand, you know, everybody has their quirks and their uh, different ways of working. And being a designer is a bit, uh, you know, you you have to be a bit of a shapeshifter in terms of um, recognizing um, the conditions that you're working in from production to production and being able to sort of morph into whatever role you need to be for that particular show. You know, sometimes it means really driving the bus. Sometimes it means being more reactive. You said that um, 
lighting design felt like a calling for you. So can you describe to me what it yeah. is that you love well, about it? I discovered it as a discipline in grade 11. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Terrace, BC, small northern logging town, mm-hmm. um, 12,000 people. It's, it's shocking how many people uh, have come out of that part of uh, the world who are still working in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can point to two megastars in the Canadian theater, Crystal Pite and Kim Collier. You know, Crystal Pite is a choreographer of great international repute. Kim Collier, one of the founders of the Electric Company Theater in uh, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And they both grew up either in Terrace or Kitimat. And uh, I came out of Terrace. And I, there's a number of other people that came out of the area. Uh, I discovered it in grade 11. I took a stagecraft class. Some friends of mine who were a year ahead had done it. and. Once they'd taken a stagecraft, they got to actually go to work in the theater as crew and get paid. Mm. So it was like, well, this is great because it's sort of the part-time job that I didn't have at the time. And I had no reason to suspect that it would be such a perfect fit for me. But what I identified almost immediately was, so I had thought that I might go into the theater as a, as a performer or uh for a while, I thought I might want to be a musician. So I, I felt like I was heading in an arts direction, certainly, in a creative direction. But lighting design, while it's, a, it's an intensely creative discipline, it's also an intensely technical discipline. And so it's, for me, it's this perfect balance of left brain, right brain, you know, I'm, I'm having to figure out um, capacity of dimmers and cover, you know, um, the the uh, optics of the lights that I'm using and will they cover the amount of stage that I need to and looking at, you know, frequencies and wavelengths of, of the visible spectrum of light and all of that kind of technical stuff. And that fascinates me. Mm-hmm. But I also love um, talking with a director and imagining this make-believe world that we're going to create on the stage just through smoke and mirrors. And so um, uh, there was never a question. As soon as I'd done stagecraft, it was the only thing that I could actually imagine going on to pursue and study further. And my parents were both artists. They were both musicians. And they weren't going to try to talk me out of it. They were happy that I'd found something that I was passionate about. And so I applied to one school for university Fortunately, I was accepted at UBC and off I went and I spent four years, you know, I also having grown up in a small town, I was pretty, um, pretty sheltered and um, small town life. And also four years at UBC was a a good opportunity for me to grow up a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. But um, I finished and I thought of myself as a designer from the very beginning. You know, I talked to lots of young designers who I've who I've had as uh, assistants or who I've mentored over the years. And, you know, often you hear, I want to be a designer. I mean, I never wanted to be a designer. I finished UBC and I thought of myself as a designer. This is what I am. This is what I do. And I understood that there'd be a progression in terms of developing my career. And it would take some time to get to where I was working reliably and that I was starting to build contacts and networks and all that sort of thing. But it, that's what I mean when I say it felt like a calling. It just was the perfect fit mm-hmm. at the time. And there was never a, never any doubt about it for me. Mm-hmm. So I went forward into my career. And I've been, you know, I think I can say I've been quite successful. Um, and part of what drove me through the career, part of what pushed me through the career was that it actually takes a long time to get really good at, at being a lighting designer. Like you can... You can pull off the odd, you know, the odd job that is really 
flashy or gets a lot of attention or um, that sort of thing. But in terms of being able to reliably go to work day in and day out and be in the moment and respond to radically different needs from show to show on radically different material, whether it's a play by George Bernard Shaw or a piece of contemporary dance or, um, you know, um, an opera by Verdi, the needs, the demands are quite different. And, uh, and it, it takes, a, it takes, it took me a long time to feel like I was starting to really get a handle on how to do the job well every time where, where I believe that at worst the job would be fine, but chances were good that the job would be really good, that my work would be really good. Mm -hmm. And so that drive to become good at the work that pushed me for a long time in my career. And I'd say about five years ago, so I, this is my second year in school, so three years before that, I started feeling like I knew the job. But what it meant was that thing that had been pushing me through my career, I now wasn't feeling that momentum anymore. I wasn't feeling the need to perfect my craft anymore. And that's when I started well, actually, I'd, I'd started thinking about going back to school quite a bit earlier than that. I'd always thought I'd like to do a master's degree, even right after I finished my undergrad. But I always felt that I needed to have a career before I went back to school. Mm, interesting. That for me, it, that was important. Yeah. Um, going back to school was partly about um, giving myself a new perspective as a, as a designer. I figured it might, if I was lucky, it might actually transform my practice as a designer. Hmm. And I would say that that's, that's been the case. In what way? Uh, I look at making theater differently now. You know, I, I look at it from the inside out instead of from the outside in. Hmm. And the outside in perspective is a perfectly legitimate perspective. But when you've had to think about who you're going to cast to play certain roles, when you've had to dig into a script uh, so deeply that, that you can help actors figure out how to bring uh, scenes to life in terms of finding, you know, the weight in the play and um, what the, you know, what are the, what's important and what's less important. And when you've, when you've, you know, pulled back the dirt on the play and looked at it from the inside out, it's a, it's a whole new point of view. And I can't go to the theater now without uh, taking in the play on that, uh, on that level. Um, I think that it makes me, Likely, and I've I've done a little bit of work over the course of my degree as well, sort of just on the side, mm. because either projects, sometimes projects go on with with or without you, and so, but um, uh, I, I certainly feel like in the in the projects that I've the lighting design projects that I've done while I've been a student, I've felt my perspective shifting, mm. even even early in the process of the degree. Now, I spent a lot of time away from home in my career. Like I would say I've, I spend 50% of the year away from my home in Vancouver. Mm. And that's, uh, I'm almost 50. That's starting, that's, that's become uh, less and less appealing over the years. Mm -hmm. I, I'd just like to spend more time with my family, you know. And, um, and so going back to school was also about giving myself some new options going forward. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in 25 plus years, I've done 300 shows. And uh, I can't, I don't know if I have 200 more shows in me for another 20 years, you know. Like right. If I was to work to 70, it's about 10 shows a year uh, is about what you have to do. 
yeah. or more. It's a busy schedule. It's a really intense schedule. Yeah. And so going back to school was about giving myself some new, it was about giving my, my design work a new perspective, but it was all about potentially uh, creating some other possibilities for myself, be they teaching or directing. I didn't know when I started if I'd like directing at all. And I certainly didn't know if I'd have any aptitude for it. Right. And do you? Do you like it? I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> I really love it. It's It's been a real revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like you're good at it? Do, does it have the... I, I think that I could be good at it. Yeah. Um, there's so much to learn. And the way it took me a long time as a, as a lighting designer to feel like I started to know what I was doing, I think it would feel that way as a director mm-hmm. as well. But, you know, I've spent so many hours in the rehearsal hall with some really brilliant directors. What I'm finding is as we're doing Summer and Smoke, I'm able to tap into these reserves that I didn't really know were there, hmm. um, that reserves that have been built out of observing truly great directors at work. So all of this passive stuff that lies beneath the surface that I find that occasionally I just access out of instinct uh, and that's been a real wonderful discovery as well. Oh, yeah. That must be amazing to feel that like, oh, it I, is. you've picked up all yeah. this other stuff from. And, you know, years. when I started the program, people, some of the faculty would say, um, well, you, you know, Alan, like this will come this will come naturally to you. You've you've been in the room with some great directors and uh, you've got it all in you. But um, it, it's a different thing in practice, for sure. Hmm. Um, it, it's great that I'm doing what I think is a great play. By a truly, you could we could debate whether Summer and Smoke was a great play. There's no question that Tennessee Williams maybe could be considered the the greatest playwright of the American, like greatest American playwright of the 20th century. Hmm. It's it's arguable. Yeah. Uh, certainly of a period, you know, from uh, 45 to 55. Um, he's one or two, you know, hmm. and so putting myself in the hand, we're in. We're in very good hands by doing a play by Williams. And that was, you know, the advice of my supervisor. He said, you should pick the best play that you can find that will work for you because uh, it will eliminate one of the variables and that being a less than great play, you mm. know. So it's beautifully crafted. You know, the lyricism is is undeniable. The characters are have great, great depth. And the thing about Williams is he wrote everything that he wrote about all the things that his characters go through in his plays, he went through them all himself. Mm-hmm. So the play is rooted in richness of a life lived, and not every play comes from that place. Mm-hmm. So we've been in amazing hands with with Summer and Smoke and uh, in the incredible hands of Tennessee Williams. And to be my first full-length play, you know, as a designer, I've been a little jealous in my career of the designers who got to do lots of the American masters, whether it was O'Neill or um, uh, Williams or um, Miller or those playwrights. I've only done a teeny handful of that work. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was part of what drew me to, to, to that genre or that milieu as well, mm-hmm. was just wanting to give myself a chance to work on something by one of the great masters. And now you get to make it your own. So how does mm-hmm. that process go? Uh, that's harder, that's harder for me to put my finger on. Hmm. I've been asked to reflect on my vision of the production. And as a designer, I've always believed in the the collaborative process. And I think as a director, I believe in it as well. You know, it's not like I thought up everything that's going on on the stage. 
I'm working with a set designer who has brought his vast experience, a faculty f designer, his vast experience to bear. Um, the actors who are more practiced as actors than I am as a director. And so I think my job is, yes, my job is to develop a, a perspective towards the play or, you know, a disposition towards the play. And then I need to open myself to what all of the collaborators that I'm working with bring to bring to bear as well. You know, the actors, the other designers, uh, the craftspeople working in the shop, you know, all of those people are contributing to my vision of the play. But it's sort of a, I'm maybe, I guess I'm leading the charge, but it really is sort of a collective vision in a sense. Hmm. The, the, the design, the directors that I've worked with, who I've loved working with the most have been directors who have given me a lot of elbow room to bring my own impulses to bear on the work. And so I'm trying to be that director. Hmm. I'm trying to be a director who gives my, the people working with me on the show, the freedom to bring their ideas to bear. I mean, at a certain point, something has to bind them all together. And I guess that's me. Um, but, um, yeah. yeah. I'm really curious about um, your, who's doing lighting design for you on this. <laughs> is it a student? And I mean, I imagine it they is. might be slightly intimidated it to work with you. It is a student. You know, it's funny you should bring that up because uh -huh. of, you know, talking with friends or family or, or colleagues about me doing this. Everybody has said, oh, I'd hate to be your lighting designer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I have a, a wonderful student mm -hmm. lighting designer. Uh, mm -hmm. She's uh, a graduate student, first year graduate student. Her name is Erin Griffith. Mm -hmm. She's a mature student like myself. And um, she's totally up for the task. Um, uh, I think that she... It might be harder for a younger designer. You know, Aaron has years of practice mm. um, already. So it might it might be tougher for an undergraduate, for example, to be doing this job. I think that knowing that you're designing lights for uh, a director who's also a very um, practiced, a very experienced lighting designer, that could be a lot of pressure. Um, it's probably been the most challenging part of the job for me is is to provide the right kind of support without dictating how it should be. Mm. And I, I've managed to not second guess myself through most of this process where I find myself the most in danger of second guessing my, my instincts is around the area of lighting design because I'm not lighting the show. Aaron is lighting the show. Uh, I only need to give her what a director gives their lighting designer, which is some parameters, you know, mm -hmm. some stylistic parameters. You know, this is this is expressionistic or this is supernaturalistic or um, in the case of Summer and Smoke, it's realism with sort of, you know, offshoots of poetry. And so um, um, giving that kind of uh, those kind of parameters, I think, is what you need to do. But the reality is I'm going to be opinionated about what I see on the stage. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know how I like to work. I know how I like the process to unfold. I understand all too well the pressures that the lighting designer faces in the theater. And it's a really, I mean, you think director directing is pressure filled, but the lighting designer does all of their work in front of everybody else mm. with the clock ticking. It is pressure filled. And, and so you know, I, I don't want to be, 
adding to that pressure for Aaron, mm-hmm. um, I understand it all too well. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Um, that's, that's about to unfold. Mm-hmm. And it's been the part of the process that's been uh, the most interesting for me and a little bit scary too, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We're just about out of time here. Let's uh, mention the run when people can see it. Right. Uh, We have uh, preview performances on March 8th and 9th, Mm -hmm. uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights. And we have our opening night performance on March 10th, and it runs through March 19th. Mm -hmm. And uh, what can people expect if they're coming to see this play? Um, I think they can expect to see uh, a play that is... um, beautifully moving and um um i think a, a play that's that's beautifully acted by uh, a terrific ensemble of student actors um i think that um we don't get to see the work of tennessee williams on the stage very often these days and so i think it's a tremendous opportunity to see one of uh his lesser known works um uh, yeah i think I think there's something there for everybody, you know. Um, uh, I, I would encourage anybody to come and see it. All right. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Jargon. If you're interested in being interviewed, please email cfuvcad at uvic.ca. To listen again, you can find a link to the podcast at cfuv.ca. 